Welcome to Victory GP. We're excited you've joined us, and we hope you're impacted and inspired by today's message. For the past couple of weeks, we've been looking at Kingdom Come, and um, Pastor Charlotte has been giving us some wonderful, wonderful messages, wonderful keys to live in the kingdom. One of the things we have understood over this past couple of weeks is that we are citizens in the kingdom. God has a kingdom. We are part of that kingdom. So when you become born again, when you become a Christian, you do not get into a religious group. You become part of God's family as a daughter or as a son. And when you come into this family, you are part of God's kingdom. It is important to establish, as she has already said, that even though the world may describe us, the church, as a religious organization or group, in the mind of God, we are part of his kingdom. And that is very, very important because, you see, if we don't get certain things well, it can affect the way we relate with God. Religion, for those of you who have been in my office, I have a sticker, something I, I, I've placed in there. I said, the title of it is, Why I Am Not Religious. And you know, I, I say that, I mean, intentionally because even though I am described as religious by some people, for me, my relationship with God is not a religion. It is a father and a son relationship. And that is the same for you. So if the world defines us as religious, maybe it is for a better communication you know, purpose. That's okay. But for you... It is important to know who you are in the things of God, in God's family. And so you are a son or a daughter in the kingdom of God. We also came to understand that as you have found your place in God's kingdom, identity is very, very important. Last week, we had a beautiful you know, um, image of the three churches. For those of you who are not here, I would encourage you to please go and listen to the message that came last week. It was a wonderful message like all the others, but it places you in the, it makes you know where to position yourself as a daughter or as a son of God. And we realized that there are three seats, the A, the B, and the C. The A is where God really wants all of us to sit as sons and daughters. The second chair, which is kind of a servant mentality, is, is a place where we sometimes could be in the church or be part of God's family, but have not got our minds shifted to really live as sons and daughters. And we looked at the story of the prodigal son and his brother who was at home. We realized that we've most of the time blamed the guy who went away, but the real problem was with the guy who was home. Because although he was home for all the years with his dad, his mind was the mind of a servant and not the mind of a son. And so he was just working for the father instead of working with the father. And so we were encouraged to always understand that from the three-chair analogy again, our position where God wants us to be is to be 
sons and daughters and not as servants. And so if sometimes our mindset makes us think as servants, just working for God, but not understanding the relationship, then God is encouraging us to come back to the right place. The third seed is not really important. It's a, it's a stranger. I believe we are all not strangers. If you are, then you want to give your life to Jesus and then come into the family. <laughs> Praise God. But through that message, we came to understand that every single one of us, if you are born again, you are a son or a daughter of God. And you have to accept that. Because it doesn't matter how long you stay in church. If that mindset is not shifted, you will be like the guy in the house. Who said, for all these years, daddy, I've been working for you. And you never gave me even one goat to kill and have party with my friends. The dad was like, everything here is for you. It has been for you all these years. But because the guy's mind hadn't been shifted, he could not even enjoy the provision at home. So as we walk with God in this kingdom, you know, uh, being part of God's kingdom, God wants us to have the right mindset so that we can live with him accordingly. And I love one thing Pastor Charlotte said last time. You know, sometimes we, some of us want to come to God as servants, but God will never receive you as servants. He will receive you as a son or as a daughter. The guy, the prodigal son again, when he was away, he said, I want to come back home. If I become like one of my father's servants, at least I can get food to eat. I can, have a, I can have a place to live. He was coming home hoping that he would be accepted as a servant, but the father received him as a son. And so it is for all of us, if we come to Christ, we become sons and daughters, and that is very, very important. And so building on that, I want to use one of the, 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 um, the quotes Pastor Charlotte used last Sunday from Dr. Miles Maru. You see, I've always told you, if you have a pastor who preaches good message, you don't struggle to prepare your message. <laughs> Go back, get it right, and then just let God lead you. <laughs> and so we thank God for all the messages that we've, we've received um, from Pastor Charlotte over the past um, weeks, and of course, the years behind. But under kingdom come, this was a quote she used last Sunday, and I'm building on what she has established. That is why I'm bringing all this. I'm doing this recap. Dr. Miles Moreau says, if we are not careful, we can identify too strongly with their label and fall into the trap of trying to live up to their expectations. We should stop trying hard to live like Christians and instead work harder at living like sons and daughters of God. Please keep that quote there. I'll, I'll make another point with it. This quote was made from the point that the world has a way of, of defining us and expecting us to live in a, you know, according to their way of thinking. The quote here is encouraging us not to live as the world thinks we should live. We should rather live as God thinks we should live. And that is to live as a son or as a daughter, which is all about relationship and getting to know God and how he wants us to connect with him. But another level to this quote is that even within the house of God, within the body of Christ, religion, which is described or defined simply as how the world or, you know, humanity has packaged our relationship with God, sometimes can also trap us to live like this. Sometimes, and even most of the time, how things are done within the body of Christ 
It's not necessarily how God wants us to do things. It is because we have had an expectation that is sometimes wrong and we be, we've been living by that. And so that is not what God wants us to live. And you're going to get why, what I mean by this. From this quote and from what I'm going to be mentioning as we go on, God wants us to live our lives as Christians, as his children, according to the standard of the word. And that is why anytime I stand here to teach or anywhere, I say this, and some of you do know. If what I share with you is not found in the word, get it in the garbage bin before you go home. Don't take it with you. I say that when I'm teaching other classes. Because it's not about my views or my opinions. It's about what the word of God says. That is what you can build your faith on. If I give you my views, it may help you for a couple of weeks or months. It can take you far. It may encourage you. But what you can build your life on as a son or daughter of God is the word of God. Amen. Praise God. And so today, what do I want to do? Maybe some of you are asking, where is this guy going with all this stuff? Well, where I'm going with all this stuff is this. One of the ways that the church has tried to live according to the expectation of people or religious mindset or practice is with prayer. The issue of prayer, please, we can take it off. Thank you. The issue of prayer or the, the, the prayer in the body of Christ has been wrongly used in so many areas because of how it has been defined by some, you know, churches or how the world has even tried to define prayer for us. And although prayer is a very important aspect of our work with God, our, you know, our life in the kingdom, it has received a lot of misrepresentation, misunderstanding, and all the miss, miss, miss you can add to prayer. God wants us to come into the place of prayer according to the word. So today, that is what I'm going to really talk about. So this morning, I'm talking about kingdom connection. And basically, that is prayer. How, are we, how do we connect with God? How do we connect with him to be able to live our lives as God's kingdom? You might have heard things like this. If you're a Christian, you don't have to pray loud. Just pray, you know, silent. Or you might have heard the other extreme. Well, when you pray silently, it's not really godly. You have to pray loud. I'm sure some of us have heard some of these things. The truth is, all these are religious packaging of prayer. And you will be surprised how some people want to stick to this way of prayer. So any prayer beyond a certain tone level is not from God. Because it does not fit into how they have been taught to define prayer. And then you get the other extreme... If the prayer is not loud, then this one cannot be heard by God. And so that is not prayer. These are religious packaging of prayer. And today we're going to go into those stuff. My prayer is that by the time we live here, we will have the right mindset about prayer so that we can pray according to the will of God. In the kingdom of God, prayer is a very, very important part of it. So if we get it wrong, we get so many things wrong. This morning, I believe God will shift our perspectives that do not align with his word and bring us to the right place. And so all this packaging of prayer according to religious you know, um, ways do not, 
do not, do not help. For instance, I, I had a chat with a guy um, last year. This is a true story. So normally, as I do, before we start talking, I would ask them. Either I would pray or I would ask them to, to pray. And he said to me, um, I don't really know how to do this prayer thing. I'm, I'm just quoting him. So I, I knew there was a mindset about prayer. So I said, that's fine. That's fine. Let's, let, let's move on. So I did not even pray. We went through the conversation, and because of what he had said before, I brought a bit of that into change some theology and, you know, mindset about it. So after our conversation, I said, can you pray now? He was like, oh, yes, I can pray. And then he prayed before we end our meeting that, that you know, um, afternoon. What I'm saying is this. Sometimes we don't even pray because of how prayer has been presented to us. And God wants to change that. The Greek word for prayer, not to say I've done Greek. I'm just trying to bring something here. Okay, thank you. It's, it's always good to do that. So the Greek word for prayer, I think um, I tried to learn the pronunciation. It goes like prosiohi, something like that. Those of you who have done Greek know better. But it means communion with God. Communion with God. We normally would define prayer as communication with God. All those are true, but it's a communion we have with God. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 19, there is an important, you know, um, important case here in Genesis chapter 2, verse 19. The Bible says, Out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air, and brought them to Adam to see what he will call them. And whatever Adam called each living creature, that was his name. Right in Genesis, God be began talking with Adam to partner with Adam to manage his creation. God made all the animals and then he came, started to commune with Adam, to talk with Adam and said, Adam, name these animals. Adam did not go back to God to ask, what name should I give to that tall animal with a long neck? God was like, just name them. Whatever name Adam gave, the Bible says, that became their name. Prayer is partnering with God through communication like this to bring his kingdom purposes down here on earth. That is all prayer is about. And so here we don't, Bible doesn't talk about how God and Adam communicated, tone and whatever length, it doesn't matter. It is the fact that we know God talked with Adam for Adam to do certain things. If you read Genesis 3, 8 and 9, I'm going to give you some verses. Some may come here, others may not. But Bible talks about Adam and God again in Genesis. God coming to Adam and Eve in the cool of the day to talk with them. When God came, he said, where are you, Adam? And we all know the end. He gave the wrong answer. Probably that was the first time somebody couldn't understand the question before answering. Adam, where are you? You answer, I am naked. It doesn't, it doesn't answer the question. <laughs> where are you is a question of place. It's not a question of any other thing. Where are you? Just tell me where you are. But he said a different thing. But the point I'm making from that is God would come in the cool of the day and talk with Adam. He would come and commune with Adam. He would come and share his ideas with Adam. He will come and have a conversation with Adam so that his purposes and his plans on earth could be done. That is still the same for you and I today. Adam lost that. Jesus came and to restore that to us. When we come into the kingdom through salvation, 
That is so important. God wants to talk with every single one of us here to, to be able to do what he has called us to do. So prayer is, is, is a direct line you know, um, with heaven. It is as simple as that. So today, because of this, I want to give us the different types or kinds of prayer. Because I, I, I believe if we get this picture very clear, we would know how to even approach prayer in the kingdom. Remember this, prayer is a key part of how God relates with us in this kingdom. For you to be able to fulfill your God-given purpose on earth, in your family, in your business, in every area of your life, prayer is a key component. And so today, I want us to go through the different kinds of prayer. We don't come to God begging him for things because he is so distant from us. He is our father, and we've said that from this pulpit several times. But how do we approach God in prayer? How do we pray to God? How do we relate with God in prayer? That is what today we want to look at in detail before we leave here. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 7 and 8, Jesus presents to us a very, very important um, case for prayer. He said, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. Even right here, and he goes on to say, for every, everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks, it will be given, it will be opened. But he starts by saying, ask and you will be, it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and you, you, it will be opened to you. Even in this verse alone, Jesus presents Three ways of prayer. Ask, seek, knock. Asking is different from seeking. Seeking is different from knocking. Let us not even make it spiritual. Let's make it come on through a common English understanding. To ask is not the same as to seek. To seek is not the same as to knock. If I come into your house and I want to get into the house, it's cold minus whatever it is, cold, and I have to knock. There must be a connection to the door and my fingers some way, somehow, before you can hear me. Asking is just asking you. I can ask through a phone call. I can ask through a text message, an email, whatever. It's just asking. Seeking goes beyond asking. You, you bring it to a next level that is seeking, knocking, there must be a connection. So even in Matthew 7 alone, Jesus presents three different ways of prayer. But that is not the main emphasis I want to make. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18, let's pick the verse 18. Paul is talking here, and he says, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. What Paul says from that, if you read the NIV, it says, pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayer. So there are different kinds of prayer. There are different kinds of prayer. So let's go into that. But before we start you know, mentioning them one by one and explaining them, I want us to establish this fact. Prayer is a key in the kingdom. Jesus, you know, mentioned that in the Bible. He would say things like, I give you the keys of the kingdom. Why would he use the word key? Because keys open doors. Keys give access to certain things. So if prayer is a key 
I tried to just bring my key here to do this, you know, explanation. I don't really have a lot of them here. I know some of you do have a lot, but I can still use what I have here. If you look at this key here, I have how many here? Like one, two, three, four. Please, let's get this will. This is a key. Do you all agree with me that this, there are different keys on this? Okay, thank you. Let's establish that far before we move on. <laughs> the door that this key can open, this key cannot open. In the same way, I just realized that I even have my car key here, in a way. I can sit or stand here and jump, I mean, like, um, start my car outside. I don't even need to go there. I can open the doors with this remote, you know, starter control, whatever you want to call it. It's a key. All the keys I have here can give me access to different things. If I am coming to the church, I know I have the church key with me. I drive how many minutes it is from my house and just get here and realize that I took the wrong key. What is going to happen to me? I have to go back home or maybe call Jody or someone <laughs> to come and help me. But I may have all these other keys with me, but because I made the right key for the right door, I can get access to it. That is prayer. And I know some of us are asking questions like, well, but God knows everything before I come. Yes, he knows everything, but he also gives us the keys. Jesus says something in Matthew chapter 22, verse 29. It is not here. He said, he told the Sadducees and the religious people, he said, you err because you do not understand the scriptures nor the power of God. If we don't understand how to apply principles in the Bible, it can hinder so many things in our lives. It is not because God is not good and God doesn't want to make provisions and, and help us, especially as we grow in the things of God a deeper understanding of biblical application is what produces results in our life as God's children. And it is our responsibility to learn, to know, to seek and to find and to know how to apply this truth of the Bible. God has freely given them to us. You, we can make time, study it, and allow God to teach us. And so once again, get this please. Prayer is a key. And different kinds of prayer represent different kinds of keys. We must know the right key to use for the right door to get access in the will and in the mind of God. And we will go through all that in the Bible. So the first prayer I want to touch on this morning. Before that, let's take this quote. Praying the same way at all times on all occasions is not an effective way of prayer. Dr. Sam Osu says, Praying the same way at all times and all occasions is not an effective way of prayer. And we will go through all that. So let's look at the kinds of prayer that God has given us freely to communicate with him, to, to connect with him in the kingdom. One, unceasing prayer. And seizing prayer. If you read First Thessalonians chapter five, verse seventeen, it says, "Pray without ceasing." It's that simple. Pray without ceasing. Good word. If you want to memorize a verse, this is it for today. <laughs> but 
in a sense, this is also a kind of prayer. I have some friends who will say things like, you know, like in, in this house, not friends, right here, who will say things like, I pray all the time. I'm talking with the Holy Spirit all the time. I, I, I talk with him. I, I chat with him. That is unceasing prayer. You pray all the time. You're driving. The Holy Spirit puts something in your heart. You say a prayer about it. Maybe your son or your daughter, you say a prayer about it. You may be driving, see some people on, on the, on the, on the I mean, roadside, and the Holy Spirit puts something in your heart about them. You say a prayer for them. So you are constantly praying because you are constantly praying. And that is unceasing prayer. That prayer does not require you to be in your closet, in your room, in the church. Necessarily, you can do it anywhere at any time. That is unceasing prayer. We do it as we do life. The good thing about unceasing prayer is that it makes you very much connected with what the Holy Spirit is saying. Because you are watching for things that you can pray about. Or you are very sensitive to what God puts in your spirit to pray about them. And so it keeps you alert to the voice of the Holy Spirit. It also keeps you alert to the schemes of the devil. The Bible says the devil rolls around like, you know, like a lion, seeking, seeking him he may devour. And through unceasing prayer, with a consciousness to pray about things that God put in your heart, you are, the Holy Spirit will alert you about certain things. Sometimes you're praying, maybe driving on the highway, and you just sense, some people would use the, the term, you know, like you feel. Pray against any accidents. You may not even know why, but just say prayer into it. There may be something happening somewhere that you don't even know, but the Holy Spirit is putting that in your heart to pray about it. That is unceasing prayer. The second prayer is thanksgiving prayer. In Psalm 136, we can't read the whole verse because it's a lot, I mean, the chapter is a lot. But in Psalm 136, if you get a time to read it, it is all about thanksgiving. It is all about thanksgiving. David starts to thank God for all he had done from the days that the Israelites moved from Egypt and walked on the desert and all those things. He came to God not to ask for anything. He just came to thank God. And sometimes that is all God needs from us. Just come before him and just thank him. Just appreciate him. Jesus healed 10 lepers. They went and only one came back to say thank you. And Jesus paused and said, where are the nine? I believe sometimes God, Jesus is also asking, where, where are the nine in our, in our lives? He has done so many things for us, but we, we, we don't take time to list them to thank him. It is a prayer that we can make. Prayer of thanksgiving. You pour your heart to God. You let him know that you appreciate what he's done in your life. Thanksgiving prayer. And as I said, even though you may have things you want to pray about, problems in your life, you choose only to come before God with a heart of gratitude, with thanksgiving. And it doesn't matter how long you want to do that. It can be a minute, two, three, an hour, or hours. You just want to thank God. It is one of the kinds of prayer that God wants us to practice as we walk in the kingdom. The third prayer that we want to look at is intercessory prayer. Intercessory prayer is a prayer that shifts the attention from you to other people. 
You have issues you want to pray about. You've got problems. You've got key, you know, matters in your life you want to address with God. But then you see things happening in the lives of other people and you put yours aside and allow God to use you to affect the lives of other people. That is intercessory prayer. And I will add this, you don't need to necessarily be in an, in an intercessory group to do this kind of prayer. You can do it any, any, anywhere God you know, leads you. And if you are someone who does this kind of prayer a lot, God will put the burden of other people in your heart from time to time. They may be far away from you, but God will, will put that in your heart because he knows you would attend to it. If you read Genesis chapter 18, verse, verse 25, the story is about Abraham who stands in the gap to intercede for Sodom and Gomorrah when God was going to destroy the city. Abraham was minding his own business with his wife and his servants. But God knows that, God knew that when he comes to Abraham and mentioned this to him, this man would do something about it. And so God tells Abraham what he's going to do. And when you read that verse, you will see, it says, far be it from you to, this is just a, po a portion of the story. But after Abraham received the message of God's you know, intention to destroy that city, those two cities, he said this, far be it from you to do such a thing as this, to slay the righteous with the wicked, so that the righteous should be as the wicked. Far it be from you, shall not a judge of all the earth do right. He begins to, to, to negotiate, to pray, to intercede for these people. And if you've had time to read Genesis 18, you realize that he starts to actually begin. What about if there are 50 people there? And what about if there are 45 people there? And 40 and 30 and 20. I believe if Abraham had pushed more, God would have saved that city. It's my own conviction. It is a lesson that we have to learn concerning intercession. If you believe that God has put something in your heart, don't stop praying about it. It doesn't matter how long it's going to take. Because of the conviction you have, it's maybe a son, a brother, you know, um, a family member whose salvation you've been praying for for years. Keep pushing, keep praying about it. Abraham did not stop at 50. Of course, he stopped, you know, um, at 10. But I believe he could have moved on. Because God, for what reason would God come and tell you in the first place? Why would God come and tell you? He had other people he could have talked to, but he came to you. So when God puts things in your heart, he knows he can partner with you to bring a result. That is why he does that. And he wants you to stick to it and to go, you know, with him. And there are many other, you know, parts of the, of the Bible where we see intercessory prayer in practice. In Ezekiel 22, verse 30, a very interesting verse there, God says, So I sought for a man among them who would make a wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land, that I should not destroy it, but I found none. Ezekiel 22, verse 30. This was when Israel was insane and everything was just, so bad. And God said, at that time, I sought for a man. I sought for a woman. I sought for someone that I can partner with to bring my mind, to bring my salvation, to bring my deliverance to this land. 
but I did not find any person. If God wants to save our city, our land, our region, our province, our nation, issues in the world, can we be the people he can trust to put in our hearts? He said, I sought for a man. And I believe now in our nation, we need this so much. We need this so much. That God can use and will use people like us to be able to bring his will on earth. This is all the kingdom is about. You ask yourself how things are happening here. Is that how God wants things to happen in his kingdom? If no, then what can I do? What can I, how can I partner with God to bring his mind, to bring his will in my family, in the business area, in my place of employment, in my city, in my community? How can I partner with God? That is all about the kingdom. And God is willing, looking for that person to partner with, to bring this. The fourth form of prayer I want to head on is authoritative prayer. This is a different kind of prayer. There are so many times in the life of Jesus, we saw him speaking to things, speaking to situations, and results came. In under authoritative prayer, we pray for God. Let me put it this way. We talk for God. We don't talk to God. In or under authoritative prayer, what we do is that we talk to, we do not talk to God, but we talk for God. What do I mean by that? Jesus, for instance, was sleeping at a point in the ship, you know, sailing. The Bible, some versions will say he was sleeping on a, on a pillow, on a cushion. And the storms began to move. And the disciples were like, why, Jesus, don't you care about us? We are going to die. Save us and all that. Jesus gets up. He comes and commands the storm. Peace be still. That is authoritative prayer. In Acts chapter 3, Peter and John were going to the temple at a time of prayer. If you read the verse Acts chapter 3. Let's read the verse 6. They came, please keep it there for me for a while. They came to a place and saw this guy who was crippled and he had been there. He came there almost every day to come and ask for money. And the Bible says when Peter and, and John saw this man, they stopped. I believe it was not a, the first time they had seen him because I believe they were going to that temple to pray. They were Jews and Jews had specific times of prayer. So I'm sure they were going there, you know, in the past for several days. But this time around, they came and saw this guy sitting there and they stopped. And this is what I mean by praying for, I mean, talking for God and not talking to God. Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have, I give to you. And then he went on to say, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Now, Peter knew what God had given him. Jesus said, I give you all authority. Go to the world, preach the gospel, heal the sick, raise the dead. He gave that to you and me as people, as sons and daughters in his kingdom. 
if I'm traveling and I give you my credit card and I say, use it, just use it. When you go to the mall, you're not going to call me and say, George, I've seen something here. It's like maybe two bucks, 2,000 bucks. Can I use it? I said, use it. Just use it. And the authoritative prayer, that is how, I'm just trying to find some way to explain it. But it's exactly the same way. God had given you and me the power, the authority to do certain things on earth in his name. So when we encounter situations like that, we use what we have to influence that to the glory of God. And so Peter said, and I like how Peter put it, silver and gold I do not have. He knew what he did not have. But he said, what I do have, I give you. He did not allow what he did not have to stop him from acknowledging what he had. You may not have certain things, but you have the power of God in you. You have been given the authority to pray and speak to situations in the name of Jesus, the son of the living God. And when we come to that point as God's sons and daughters, and we come to the point of knowing what we have and begin to use it, the world knows that we are representing the kingdom of God right here on earth. He says, silver and gold I don't have. You know our problem? Most of the time, we allow what we don't have to stop us from acknowledging what we do have. Because every single one of us here, you have something. Every one of you have something. God has placed something in each and every one of us here. What do you have? You can answer that question yourself. What do you have? A word of encouragement for someone? Where to restore hope to someone? You have something to, you can give to someone. But most of the time, we don't even know what we have. And you know, the truth in the kingdom is this. If you do not know or if you do not acknowledge what you have and use it, you can't get a resource from it. That is not God's problem. That is my problem and your problem. Because he's given it to us freely and we have to use it to do what God wants us to do to get a resource. So the Bible will say something like this. Lack of knowledge, my people perish. That is why I keep saying this. When you are encouraged to read the Bible, it is not to make you a religious person. It is for you to know the provisions of God for you as a kingdom citizen and to know how to use it. So studying the Bible is not to make you a religious being. That is why in my office I have, why I'm not religious there. Because when I'm getting to the word and I'm studying the word of God, I want to know the mind of the father. I want to know the kingdom secrets, the keys of the kingdom, so that I can use it in my life as a child of God. Why do you read your Bible? Why do you have your study plan? It is all good. Whatever reason you have for it is good. But if you have not thought of identifying secrets and keys in the kingdom to use it, pray that as you study the word of God, he will open your eyes and your mind to be able to see the secrets of the kingdom and to know how to apply them. And so under authoritative prayer, you use the power that God has given to you, the authority that he has given to you to speak to situations for God and not necessarily speak to God. You already have it. Just go ahead and use it. And you know what? When you use it, you will get results. Because it's for you. It is for you. Sometimes we, we 
Don't believe. And you know, unbelief is a key problem when it comes to this kind of prayer. There, was a, there is a story in the Bible. Jesus um, and three of the disciples went up on a mountain. We normally would call it the Mount of Transfiguration. But whilst Jesus and the other guys were there enjoying, you know, the whole experience up there, something happened down on the mount, I mean, down on the hill. A man brought to the rest of the disciples his son who was sick for them to pray for him to be healed. Let's get this. Jesus wasn't around. Peter, James, and John were not around. So the rest of the disciples were there, and this man brought his son for them to pray for him. The man believed that these guys could help his son. And so while, I don't know how long it took him, but he brought him there. But this is what happened. This guy prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed, and nothing happened. The guys had a good heart. Sometimes it's not about the good heart you have. It's about knowing who you are, your identity, and how you can use what God has given you. So when Jesus Christ came down, he came to the scene. Thank God the man did not leave. Sometimes you have to tarry, you know, tarry for some time to have God come through for you. So Jesus Christ came and he came to see. So when he came, he just got there, cast out the demon, and then, you know, the demon left the boy. But I like what the disciples did. If you read down, it says, the disciples came to Jesus privately and asked him, Master, why could we not do this? They wanted to know the secret behind why he could do it easily, but they were struggling to do it. So they said, Master, why could we not do it? We have, a good, we have good intention. We've got a good heart. We really want to help this boy, but why couldn't we do it? Something Jesus said is a secret when it comes to authoritative prayer. He said, this kind goes not except by fasting and prayer. This is from Jesus. He said, this kind goes not. So when it comes to authoritative prayer, you would encounter different kinds. The kind that maybe you are faced with today is different from the kind you're going to be faced with tomorrow. Sometimes you do not even know the kind that is coming. Like the disciples, they didn't know that somebody was going to bring his son there. But Jesus said, this kind does not go except by fasting and prayer. Sometimes we once again, you know, when I talk about some of the errors we have, fasting is something that we probably have not understood well in the body of Christ. But Jesus gave us a secret about this practice as a kingdom key to be able to move in certain dimensions in the kingdom. Spending time with God in fasting and prayer is not to make you religious once again. It is to bring you, among many things, to be able to function in this way as Jesus Christ said. No wonder after Jesus had gone, the disciples came back to fasting and prayer in the book of Acts. And now Peter would move and cast out demons. The others would move and then just heal people. It was a dimension of their spiritual life. They caught a revelation from the master and nobody could take that from them. So they were just moving around healing people. But when Jesus was there and they did not know the secret, they could not do it. There are secrets in the kingdom that when we understand and begin to move in, we see the power of God at work in our lives. So in authoritative prayer, 
you must understand that sometimes fasting and prayer will make it easy and sharp. This is from Jesus. It's not from me. Two, Jesus says something. He said, most of the time, anytime you know you see Jesus dealing with some of these commanding things to go situation, people would marvel. Wow. And then he would say things like this. Ye of little faith. Why are you people of unbelief? Why don't you believe this? And I realized that Jesus did not even speak about you people with no power. He said you people who have no faith or little faith. For instance, when Jesus you know, commanded the fig tree to die, the disciples were surprised. He said, oh, and Jesus said, oh, ye of little faith. One secret under, about authoritative prayer is that it's a prayer that comes with faith. I'm not saying the other prayers do not come with faith, but Jesus explains that very clearly. Because if you read the Bible, there are different kinds of faith. There are great faith, little faith. Sometimes Jesus will say, no faith. All these are in the Bible. A man came to Jesus and said, my son um, is, is sick. Come and, you know, like, please heal him. Jesus said, I want to come. He said, don't come. Speak a word. And Jesus said, wow, such a great faith. I have not seen all in Israel. That was a level of faith. The Syrophoenician woman came to Jesus and she, you know, like she came and pleading, please come and heal my daughter. And Jesus was like, you are not even part of us now. I can't give the food that is meant for the children, for the dogs. And she pushed through. But what Jesus said at the end, such a great faith. So faith is something that grows in our work with God. Each one of us, according to the Bible, have received a measure of faith. But that faith must grow. If there is little faith and small faith and whatever faith, great faith, I want to have great faith. And maybe you are not there right now, but it doesn't mean you cannot grow. Your faith can grow. My faith can grow. The Bible says faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. The more we feed on the word and get revelations, we build our faith. Surround yourself with men and women of faith. Build your faith. Grow your faith. And you begin to see the different levels and dimensions that God is going to use you. I'm not saying if you have not come there, you are not a child of God. I established at the introduction that we are all sons and daughters. This is not about you being saved or not being saved. It's about the level that you allow God to use you in the kingdom. You are, we are all saved. If you've given your life to Jesus, you are saved. But how God uses us are different. And most of the time, it depends on how willing we want to give all to him. I like something that Jonathan, you know, um, when we talk about some of these stuff, there is an expression he uses, if you sow in the spirit. There is a level of sowing in the spirit to reap the things of the spirit. And those ones, it's not just about being saved or not being saved. If you continue to sow in the spirit, it's a sowing thing. You reap it. And that is the growth that God is calling us to in that place of, you know, uh, prayer. The last, but one prayer I want to talk about is prophetic prayer. We talked about pursuit and pursuit too in this house. 
it is a place for those kind of prayers, prophetic prayer. If you read Luke chapter 2, verse 20, 34 to 35, when Jesus Christ was born, he was brought to the temple, you know, to be dedicated and go through that religious um, practice in Israel. Something happened. There were two guys there. One guy called Simeon, or Simeon, it doesn't matter how you pronounce it. And the other lady called Anna. These were people who had received prophetic messages about the Messiah. So when Jesus Christ was brought there, the verse 34 says, then, then Simeon blessed him and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign which will be spoken against. Yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul so that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. But the point I'm making is this. This man had received a prophetic message from, from God about Jesus. So he could come and speak into the, into the life of Jesus. When the Pharisees and the Sadducees and all the CCCs were struggling even to believe that he was the Messiah, this man knew that this boy there was the Messiah. Because God spoke to him. I can use the term, God downloaded that revelation straight into his heart. Sometimes God will give you a prophetic message through dreams, through visions, through prophecies, word of knowledge, word of wisdom, different kinds. You can use those words to speak into situations. That is prophetic prayer. You speak the mind of God about certain situations. For instance, God has given a word concerning your son or your daughter before even they, maybe they were born. And you see that as they came, you know, they are not living that life. Oh, you've got a key there. If God said they're going to live like this, they cannot live like that. It is for you and I to pick that message and begin to speak it over their destiny. Speak it over their life and you will see the shift that will come. And so that is prophetic prayer. God gives us his word and we speak it directly into certain things. The last prayer I want to mention is corporate prayer. Corporate prayer is when we all come together as a church to pray. In the book of Acts, we see corporate prayer a lot. If you read the story in Acts chapter 12, it talks about when Herod arrested James and killed him. And then he went on to arrest Peter. But I like what the church did. The Bible says constant prayer was made by the church for him. So when he had considered this, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together praying. Please keep it there for a while. Before this verse 12 came, the church saw that Peter had been arrested. And so they were praying together in this woman's house for him. And if you get time to read the whole story, Peter was miraculously released from prison. In fact, an angel of the Lord went in there and locked all the, you know, the, the gates and bring him out. He brought Peter out and Peter went to that house. I am sure before he went to prison, he knew that something good always happened in that house. And so he went there. Lo and behold, they were there praying together. That is corporate prayer. If you read different parts of Acts, when the disciples were arrested and, you know, beaten and all that, if you continue, it says they all came together and lifted their voice and prayed to God. And the place they stood, stood was shaken and God filled them with power. 
corporate prayer is a key component in our life as kingdom people. So when we call prayer together as a church, it is one of the forms of prayer that God wants you to be part of it. Maybe you may not even know why we're calling the prayer. Well, here we always tell why we're calling the prayer. But even if you don't know, we encourage you to make time because it is one of the prayers that God wants us to pray. As I bring my message to an end, what I want to establish is this. Prayer, as I said before, they are keys. In the kingdom, keys gives us access to certain things. And so we get to know it and apply it well. Sometimes certain things may not work in the way that you're supposed to work. And it's not because God has not given us provision. It is because we might have not found it. And I know you may say, well, God has got grace. Yes, he has got grace. But he actually also wants us to have knowledge. And that is very, very important. So we've talked about different keys in the kingdom. My prayer is that as we leave here, and I want to call the worship team to come um, um, on stage. And I love the song they did. Yes, the world will bow down and, and, you know, and say, you are Lord, please do that. But for the world to bow down and say, God is Lord. If they know these secrets, or if we are able to use these keys to unlock certain things, and the world sees it, they will bow down and praise our God. The Bible said the world is waiting for the manifestation of the sons and the daughters of God. Prayer is one of the ways that the world will see the power and the might of God. Are we ready to leave this place to begin to use these keys to expand the kingdom, to bring increase in the house of God, to bring light into our neighborhood, our communities? We have got keys. We can use the keys. If we trust God and allow him to use us, people of God, the world is yet to see what God is about to do with his church. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Prayer is a key that can give us access to bringing the kingdom of God down from heaven right here on earth. Amen. Thank you. Let's bow down our heads for the prayer. Or oh, you can even stand with me. Let's just please... Um, Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We give you praise, Lord. Thy kingdom come, Lord. Thy will be done. Father, we bless you for the word today. Thank you for giving us the keys and helping us even to know how to use these keys. We give you praise, Lord. It is your will that the your kingdom in heaven will be done here on earth. I pray that Lord, even as your word has come forth, help us to leave this place or even right from this time, begin to apply these keys in the right way that they are supposed to be applied. And I ask the Lord as we apply these keys, oh God, may doors be open. Grant unto your church access into different dimensions of lives, in businesses, in health, in family issues, in politics, in any area that you want us to influence, help us to know the right keys to use, to open and get access into these areas. I pray, oh God, that you will preserve this word in our heart. Let it grow. Let it germinate and bear fruits. 30, 60, and 100, Lord, to the praise and the glory of your holy name. We worship you today, Lord, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Thanks again for listening to this message from Victory Church Grand Prairie. You can stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube by using at VictoryChurchGP. If you have any questions, would like to access our online resources, or would like to sow into this ministry, you can visit us at www.VictoryGP.com. You can also text to give. Just text 587-207-4387 and follow the prompting. Thanks again for joining us at Victory GP. Reach. Teach. Mobilize.